Hello, this is Mark Brown at the second day of the Department of Psychiatry of Oxford University's 50th anniversary celebration. Um, I'm here with... Sina Fazel and Danny Whiting. Um, both these gentlemen gave a fantastic and really interesting presentation about prediction models in psychiatry. Now, for everyone listening at home, the question is going to be, what the hell is a prediction model and what I'm hoping for us to begin with is that at least one of you can explain basically what a prediction model is and how they work. So it's it's a way of, um, I think broadly speaking it's, it's a way of thinking about prognosis so how well you're going to do or how unfortunately badly you might you might do um, so you can think of almost like um, using a weather app I mean the weather app gives you a a percentage score of what's the chance of it raining over you know a 24 hour period or even beyond that and prediction models are a similar type of way of thinking about things they, they they look forward and they say well what's the chance of something happening what's the likelihood of something happening and it, they usually work the, the really the best known ones like this the risk scores for heart disease the, they usually work by giving you a probability score so they sort of say over a 10 year period what's your chance of having a cardiovascular event like a heart attack or a stroke and on the basis of that you can start to think about treatments they might be in the case of heart problems it might be diet changes dietary changes lifestyle changes more exercise and then even start a discussion with your doctor about a medication like a statin so that's how i mean that, that's how it's been developed in cardiovascular medicine and I think what we were looking at yesterday was whether this has a role in psychiatry and, and I think the three areas that it probably does have a role is diagnosis so can it help people make diagnoses particularly and this is particularly an area where dementia researchers are very focused on because there if you make a diagnosis early you can really um, you know, potentially arrest the development of it and the area that we looked at was prognosis. So, plan, you know, looking forward and particularly things like violence risk, suicide risk, these are really important outcomes in psychiatry. Can you, can you, can you predict or can you give some sort of prognostic model that uh, helps people prevent these outcomes? And the third area, which is what actually the talk after us spoke about, was something about choice of treatment. So can you actually predict who will benefit from this particular SSRI in the talk we heard about versus another SSRI? And it could that could apply to other treatments as well. So broadly speaking, it's about trying to use um, high-quality data to think about, you know, what what individuals will benefit from, uh, you know, can, you can you can figure out how to plan future interventions, future treatments uh, based on um, all sorts of factors that you can put into a model. It's kind of one of the really interesting things um, when you were talking about prediction models yesterday was kind of the value of prediction models in predicting things that might be rarer or less likely to be experienced. And those tend to be kind of be quite contentious issues. Yes, yeah, so I think I think one of the points to make is that um, certainly in, in clinical psychiatry we uh, we're already having to try and predict the, these these rare outcomes to to plan our plan our decisions and, and plan our treatment so we're already doing that so what a, what a prediction model can bring to that is, is a way to try and 
anchor that difficult process in in the evidence base as best we can and use epidemiological data to try and help us make those decisions and it is to sort of help that rather than to replace the whole process of, of clinical assessment. Um, and I think when we think about um, the difficulties of predicting rare outcomes, um, how we kind of frame the point of a prediction model is really important. So. Um, what we're more interested in is, is how a prediction model can identify those patients who, sort of, on average, are the most likely to benefit from, from something helpful and non-helpful to try and try and reduce the risk of, of, that, of that rare outcome um, and, and, and the balance on, on, on how accurate the, the, the tool needs to be um, depends very much on, on, on what it is that you're going to link it to um, and if, it, if it's something that, that's going to be helpful um, and, and non-harmful, non um, then, then we can sort of tolerate a, a false positive rate in, in, a, in a different way. So one, one of the things you were talking about was kind of prediction of violence um, from people experiencing psychosis. And this is like a really, really... In mental health circles, this is kind of very, very awkward area to talk about. Um, and it feels like there's a general kind of awkwardness around discussing these things in a kind of general forum. So with that in mind, how should we think about this that might make it feel a bit less awkward? Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. It's one of the, one of the challenges of, of, of work in this way, with, both clinically and, and, in, and in research. Um, I mean, one of the things that, that can be gain from, from looking at a, a more objective way to help think about violence risk is, is trying to unpick some of these questions. So, so trying to do some more on, on, on how, how patients would prefer us to talk about violence risk. And, and actually, we, we, we're assessing violence risk all the, all the time anyway. And at the moment, I think that's sometimes quite a mysterious process, not really transparent. It might not be something that's shared that openly with patients. Um, so one thing that a tool might be able to do is make that a bit more open, actually, um, and actually ground it in, in the evidence and, and give us a bit more of a, a kind of framework for how to, to talk about that with patients. And, 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 and so I think it might be a, a beneficial thing. There's also one of one of the main points that people raise in response to prediction models in in anything is the issue of um, implicit bias, which assumes that prediction models either aren't transparent or can't be transparent. Basically, they'll be made by someone and it'll predict what they want to see. Um, is that a fair um, a fair suspicion to level at what you spend most of your time doing? <laughs> Yeah, it's a very important area um, in, in the field to try and clarify. I mean, I think the thing that we're doing differently is we're very transparent about how we choose our predictors. We pre-specify everything and we publish a protocol. Um, and then when we look at the, when we publish the model, we publish all the model coefficients. So you can actually see exactly how a score is made up, what, what contributes to it. And that's very different to many models, like you're saying, where it's sort of hidden away somewhere. You don't really know what contributes to it. And I think that that's really important. So, I mean, and, and that's, that's really come out of working partly with people in, in, in other areas of medicine who um, we've collaborated with quite closely in Oxford and also with ethicists also who have helped us think through these issues that, um, you know, really the, the, um, uh, the, the importance of, of, of pre-specifying what you're doing, being very, very thoughtful and open about how you're choosing your predictors, that they're, they're, they're predictors that um, 
um, are, 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 are usable, are fair in a way, transparent, um, and I think you know a big part of our models is also making them scalable, so they're easy to use. Actually, all the models we've developed are free. Um, you know, and they're, they're, you can see how they've been developed. You can see all the model coefficients. You can, and we publish as much as we can of validations of the work. Um, so, 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 do you think kind of doing that, doing this work, kind of in the public sector, in, in you know, paid for with public money, is a good way of avoiding like the black boxing of, of algorithms? Because commercially produced algorithms, you're selling the result of them. So you basically the imperative is to hide how you get to your conclusion. Do you think kind of public funding kind of ensures a kind of transparency and a kind of accountability in algorithmic manipulations of reality and future events? <laughs> well, partly, but of course, you know, even if publicly funded things are not published openly, I mean, so people can hide, uh, you know, the... the how the models are developed and you know how how they're derived and then they often don't bother to validate them they sort of stop at they publish a model and they just leave it there they publish the, the the derivation or discovery sample and they just leave it there they don't actually look at how it works in practice so i think it's something that applies across the board actually um and i think you know um, but i think there, there are some funding agencies um like like like, like the welcome who fund me they're you know very clear that these you know about the importance of open access and data being available, and and, and I think that's that's very helpful actually, and um, particularly where you know the implications can be quite serious. So, for instance, I mean one one of the models we developed is for released prisoners, and of course, you know you, you the, the you, if you you want these 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 models to be as accurate as possible, and 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 people can see the level of accuracy, and then they can make decisions based on that, and 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 you really want that very very clear, um, because of the potential implications. I mean, you know, people might be followed up more frequently. There might there might be all these resources put into linking people to community services, and you want that uh, that that level of input to be based on something firm and evidence based. So to kind of finish up between you both, I'm going to ask you a really, really difficult question, which is to suggest a few things that people at home might think about if they're very, very worried about being on the receiving end of this kind of predictive technology. Like, How should people think about this and what should they be looking out for and thinking about? That's a good question. <laughs> um, it's not it's a horrible question. But... <laughs> um, it's, it's obviously increasingly in the sort of public awareness of this, this kind of work ongoing at the moment, especially with the sort of uh, huge scaling up of, sort of NHS digital data and, 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 and the sort of access to that. Um, so so um, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a sort of hot topic, if you like. Um, I think um, what's, what's really clear from um, sort of, gauging kind of public opinion on this this, this kind of work is, is that um, there has to be a really for, 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 for there to be support there has to be a really clear kind of public benefit to it um, and I think that is what, what drives certainly all type of work that, that we're talking about is, is, is it's ultimately about improving kind of treatment pathways and, and, and making the, 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 the whole experience of contact with in our case mental health services um, more helpful and, and for, for better better outcomes um, so so uh, there's this sort of, um, 
healthy questioning of, 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 of the, the mechanics of it. Um, but I think um, certainly the, the work we're talking about, that's what, that's what is driving it. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so someone yesterday was talking very much about, you have to ask, ask and answer the question, so what? Like, so what, what, what why, why does any of this matter? And also, how do I know I'm not evil? But to give you the final word on that. Well, I think, I mean, I think in relation to all this, I think it really can augment um, clinical care. I mean, so yeah, the, these, the, these tools, if they're, if they're well-developed, empirically-based and validated in the real world, they can really augment decision-making and they can facilitate discussions between clinicians, between clinicians and their patients, um, you know, and and so they can actually, I think, really lead to improvements. And, you know, we saw, I mean, a couple of weeks ago, there was a very interesting piece coming out about the Mental Health Act and how um, there does seem to be a racial bias in it. You know, and one of the things that occurred to me when I read that was, you know, actually these tools are one way of just um, looking at whether your decisions about risk, which are about mental health act is all about suicide and violence risk. You know, are they based on something empirical? Or are you actually working on all sorts of subconscious biases? And these can act as a way of, I don't know, sort of anchoring your judgments, raising the ceiling of expertise, um, uh, reminding you of the importance of certain risk factors, weighing up a sort of range of factors, which the human brain really can't cope with more than three or four, but you know, these tools usually have about 10, 15 factors in them. Um, so it's putting that all together. And I do, I, so I do think there's a potential for it really to, to improve the, 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 um, the clinical care, plus also the relationship between doctors and their patients. Brilliant. So what I'm hearing from you, just to finish this up, is... It might be possible to make predictive models that don't have biases, but human beings always do. I think that's a point to finish on. Thank you both. Mm-hmm.